Or if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5 for a few moments. I'm on a, in a series on you're the salt of the earth. It's the only, it's the only hope we have as a, a nation and as a world is that we be salt. And salt that has some savor. That means flavor. Look at verse 13. You're the salt of the earth. If the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's henceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and be trodden underfoot of men. And then there's another description of a Christian. You're the light of the world. A city that's set upon a hilltop cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. But look at verse, uh, the last half of verse 15, Matthew 5. You with me? And it says, In the candlestick, and he giveth light unto all that are in the house. Don't you like lights, amen? I had to turn the lights off today at my house, have some work done, and uh, it was really a traumatic time when you try to turn your computer back on, I'll tell you that. But look at verse 16. It says, Let your light so shine before men, they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now there's the divine order here, is folks, first with the salt, that refers to our attitude or our inward character, and then we're light. That's the outward action. And so I want to say this, before you can act right, you've got to think right. And I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking, Norman Vincent Peale followers. I'm talking about the power of positive faith, that God can change your life, radically change your attitude. And there's where we come tonight in verse uh, chapter 5, verse 3. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And they list what we call the Beatitudes, that Jesus taught sitting down on the mount, and a lot of people call it Sermon on the Mount. Could be the lesson on the mount. Could be the Sunday school lesson on the mount. But I'll tell you what, it's a message. It's a message from the greatest teacher that ever walked this earth. His name's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you something, friend. The Beatitudes uh, is found in, the, in, in this passage. It means blessed. And it means a blessed attitude. And last week we just touched verse 3, so we'll skip on down to about slide four, I believe it is, and um, or three, uh, about poor in spirit. Uh, not, a, not a person has a, you ever met a person that had uh, a bad spirit, a poor spirit, you know, and uh, that, that song goes along with poor in spirit. Who am I? You know, you deserve hell, and we all deserve hell. I've got three fingers pointing back at me. We're nothing but sinners saved by the grace of God. And if we ever try to pull up our bootstraps by our own bootstraps and pull up our own uh, reputation by our personality and what we have and what we've done and our education, then it's called pride. And pride is the initial sin in the Bible. It got Eve in trouble. It got Adam in trouble. I'm telling you, pride caused the first murder in the Bible. Cain and Abel had pride. Pride will keep you from the blessings of God. Pride, uh, pride comes before a fall, a haughty spirit before a fall, the Bible says in Proverbs. And we need to realize, folks, that uh, pride is a terrible sin. And I'll tell you why it is. Because it cuts you off from the blessings of God. Because you think you're your own blesser. You think you can answer your own prayers. You think you're something. And I think I'm something without humility. And folks, some people are so so humble, they're proud of it. Amen? Y'all get that later. Some people are so humble, they're proud of it. And folks, we ought to not be proud of nothing except 
what God has done in our life and how God has blessed us over the years, whether it's 84, 48, or 4. We ought to thank God that we're blessed and we're on the winning side. Amen? Uh, when I came up uh, just a few minutes ago, I saw Miss Tawny and she had all her kids lined up against the wall. I said, man, they must have did something really bad. And, they, and she got them up against the wall, praise God. And uh, I looked and, and lo and behold, she was taking a picture. And all of them had uh, Georgia Bulldog jerseys on. This is team night. Amen. There's a few orange back there. And uh, it's Georgia Bulldog night. And I, I got out of the car and I said, children, y'all ought to sing I'm on the winning side, <laughs> amen. But don't get proud of it, amen, because our day's probably coming, amen. But, um, you know, Tennessee fans have no trouble being humble. <laughs> I wish Howard Turner was here. I really do. He's probably listening. But Tennessee fans have no trouble. And we Georgia fans, we got to fight this pride, amen, because, you know, it could happen to us tomorrow, you know, uh, go down the tube, go down the drain, get beat by somebody like Florida. That'd be terrible. But I want to say this. Thank God that we're on the winning side, and it's more important than a ball game. Amen? Praise God. Miss Carolyn, she's a diehard Braves fan. I mean, she, she gets ill when they lose, and she gets glad when they win. Amen, Brother Larry? That's the truth. Amen? And I want to tell you something. I'm on the winning side, and I am a Braves fan, too. I'm from Atlanta, and I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan. But I want to tell you something. Most important of all, I'm a fan of Christ. And fan means, we get the word fanatic, and folks, that means ardent follower. We ought to be excited about the Lord. We ought to be dedicated to the Lord. We ought to spend money where it counts, not on a $70 ticket to a game and $20 to park a car. When I went over to the Georgia Bulldog, I think they were charging $20 to park cars in yards. And then when you parked it, it would be the grace of God if you could get out without a scratch because they packed them in there on top of each other. You couldn't leave early because you'd just get blocked in. It was unreal. And then you walk five miles to the Bloomin' Stadium after you paid 20 bucks to park. I said, I ain't never coming back. I'll watch it on TV with air conditioning and my lazy boy reclined just in the right position. Amen. But I want to tell you something, folks. A lot of times we get prideful over our winning team. We get prideful over our education. We get prideful over our accomplishments. But I want to say this, friend. If it wasn't for the good grace of God, you wouldn't have anything. You wouldn't have a marriage. You wouldn't have sense to get out of the rain. And that's pretty bad when you don't have sense to get out of the rain. You wouldn't have anything in your life. You wouldn't have healthy children or children, period. You wouldn't have anything. But God's blessed you, most important of all, with salvation. And you're going to heaven and spend eternity in a place where there's no more. No more disappointments. No more depression. No more sin. No more Satan. No more world. Praise God. No more opposition and uh, no more depression and discouragement. It's going to be a wonderful place. It is a wonderful place. And several of my friends are going there. As I said, I stood in line about an hour last night to pay uh, 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 my respects and and try to comfort the family. I didn't even know her. My wife knew her and uh, um, knew, knew him. They go to the same beauty shop. I believe men ought to go to barbershops. But anyway, um, can't find one right now. But thank God, thank God that we can trust God with everything in our life. 
And it starts with the poor in spirit. I want to define what that means. It's the salt that has got its savor. It's the right attitude towards life. It's realizing that you totally need God. With all your heart, with all your soul, you need Him. And I want to tell you this, and I don't want to be unkind because I've lost some dear friends. I've been to more funerals lately and more funeral homes than I've ever been in my life. I mean, uh, uh, a dear pastor's wife passed away and they had her funeral Saturday. And the, poor, and, the, and, the, and the man of God, the husband, had a wreck on the way to the graveyard. Couldn't even go and go to the graveyard because he ran into his sister of all people. And folks, listen, tribulation and trials will come in your life, but you better know you need God. But I'm just going to say this. When you're losing your last breath, I hope that breath is, I need you, God. And it's not just to breathe physically, but to breathe spiritually. And I believe believe every breath is a blessing from God. And if you hadn't learned that lesson in this day of COVID, you are putting your head in the sand. I don't care what you call it. You can call it other disease. I don't care what. People are dying. And I believe many of my friends are dying a lot younger than me, and that ought to get my attention, and it has. So we're, we're on borrowed time. So if God gives you a day, it's the day to rejoice and be glad in it. And it's the day not to take credit for that day and try to impress people in that day, but glorify God with all your soul and all your heart and all your mind and don't let anything distract you from your prayer life. If somebody calls on you to pray, you ought to be able to pray. And if you don't, there's sin in your life or somebody sinned against you. You ought to get it right. Somebody calls on you to sing, you ought to be able to sing with a clear heart. Somebody calls on you to preach, you ought to preach with a clear heart. But let me just say this. If somebody calls on you to shine on the hilltop of this dark and dismal world, you ought to be able to shine, and you ought to be because you're the salt that's got some savior to it. Now let me just say collectively, the Beatitudes talks about character. Number one, the poor in spirit. That's the attitude towards yourself. That means that you feel that you need God. And you'll never be full of the Spirit of God until you're empty of yourself. You're one-tenth full of greed. You're one-tenth full of bitterness. You're one-tenth full of uh, anger. You will not be filled with the Spirit. You are not filled with the Spirit of God. Folks, the poor in spirit is the first one mentioned because it's the essence of having God's blessing through your life. It's humility. Oh, it's easy to criticize others. It's easy to stomp somebody when they're down. But I want to tell you something. What what God wants you to do is be so humble that you realize you could have done far worse. But for the grace of God. Come on. But for the grace of God. I'm not condoning sin. I believe God hates sin. But He loves the sinner. And so number one, we have poor in spirit. And number two, it says, Blessed are they that mourn. Look at verse uh, four. So I mean, we're supposed to go around mully grub all the time and sad. You know, I, I found myself rejoicing in the line uh, uh, at the funeral home last night. And then I walked into church, and the first song they sung was, I'm on the winning side. I said, praise God, I needed this one. And the preacher preached an hour on faith. I said, I need this. Because, folks, if you're not careful, you'll get your eyes off Jesus. And you'll get your eyes on your problems. You'll get your eyes on everybody dying that you know, 
Everybody's sick, or some people sick, a lot of people sick, and you'll just say, man, what's going on, God? What did we do? And we'll get a complex, folks, and I want to tell you something, we need to have an attitude of mourning about sin. See, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. You'll never be comforted until you repent. See, holy people are happy people. Sinful people are sarcastic people, but they're sad people. They're sad people. I'm going to tell you something. The saddest person in this room is a backslidden Christian. Because you know better. And you've been better. And when the Lord came and said, Adam, where art thou? I'll tell you what, he wasn't where he should have been. He wasn't where he had been. He should have been at the foot of Jesus, foot of God, fellowshipping with him in the garden. But sin separated him, particularly the sin of pride. I'll be my own God, Lord. And folks, I want to tell you something. Pride is a dangerous sin. Pride will send you to hell. Because you'll say, I don't need God. Yes, you do. God changed the theme of this missions revival. In times like these, we need, the world needs the Savior. There's a lot of saviors out there, but they're not the Savior. They're not the way. They're not the truth. So, blessed are they to mourn. This is a spirit of, uh, of uh, sorrowful, godly sorrow. It's saying, I'm sorry I'm a sinner. And you, until you're sorry you're a sinner, you won't be saved. And then when you sin as a Christian, you say, I'm sorry I sinned. That was a bad attitude. That was a bad thought. That was an unloving, unkind thing I did. And all of us sin and come short of the glory of God. Amen? I guarantee you we could have a testimony service right now of the sins you committed today. I don't want to hear them. Amen? And you don't need to uh, put your dirty laundry up either, praise God. A lot of people stand up, well, I'll tell you what I did in 1950. We could care less what you did in 1954 unless it was you got saved, amen, and live for the glory of God. Don't, don't, don't spread the dirty laundry around, amen. We got enough of that laying in the floor, praise God. Not my floor, but some floors, amen. My wife hears this message, I've had it. But anyway, mourn. <laughs> blessed are they that mourn. Sorry for sin. Then blessed, listen to this next one. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Folks, what is meekness? I'll tell you what meekness is. It's not weakness. And it's not thinking down on yourself. It's, and folks, meek is not weak. The greatest, the person that was identified and labeled as the meekest man on this earth was Moses. Wasn't it Moses? And I'll tell you, he's a meek man. But I'll tell you something, he got so mad uh, at God's people, he threw the tablets down. God wrote out his sermon and he threw it in the garbage. He got so mad at them worshiping that calf that he just threw them down and lost his temper. Smith the rock, smith, uh, smote the rock, Smith. Smote the rock twice instead of once and messed up God's typewriter. Because, folks, he only died once for your sin. Amen? And he didn't get to go in the promised land. But he was called the meekest man on earth. I'll tell you what meekness is. Meekness is strength and control. God's strength. See, you have no strength. You have no strength. You think, you think you can whip the devil? 
That's like trying to handle a snake. How many ever handled a snake? I hope you hadn't. Praise God. If y'all want to handle a snake, I, I, what what door you want me to make in that wall? Amen. I think that's the craziest thing I've ever heard of handling snakes. I used to make the joke, go over to L.J. and and some people listened to the broadcast over to L.J. said, "Hey, don't refer to us as snake handlers." I said, "Okay, serpent handlers." No, but anyway, uh, you know, folks, listen. God help us to realize we cannot handle Satan and we cannot handle sin. So stop playing footsies with it. Amen. Stop hanging around sinners. They will suck you down the drain every time. Have you ever been around a person with a bad attitude for a while? What was the biggest temptation while you was around that person with a bad attitude? Like a gossiper or just people down on everybody? The temptation was you become just like them. And you start agreeing. Oh, yeah, I've noticed that. Praise God. The preacher don't part his hair right. You know, praise Lord. He preaches too long. Amen. You know, he can't sing, tries to sing. Uh, if, you don't, if you don't watch it, you'll catch it. Because it's caught, not taught. And so the best thing to do is don't hang around those that are negative. And, and uh, folks, we ought to be meek. That's attitude towards others. It's teachable. Teachable. Amen? One of the greatest things you can be is teachable. He does not defend himself. That's why that FBI is so important. If you're not teachable, you're not a very good teacher. If you're not teachable, you won't be a good preacher. We, not, we, not, we haven't arrived when it comes to Bible knowledge. We need all we can get. I thank God somebody came in my office today and said, Preacher, i got a new job. Took a $5 cut from my last job. And they said, boy, you can't afford that. He says, yes, I can't afford it. As long as you don't make me work on Sundays, and praise God, and you don't cuss me out like the last boss did, I can work here and be your best employee. I said, that's the greatest part there is. Don't put your job before God. Amen. And folks, listen, because he can give you another one, but I want to tell you this, you wouldn't have the strength to work if it wasn't for God. And so there's a meekness. Attitude towards others, teachable, and you don't defend yourself. Stop defending yourself and start lifting up Jesus. I don't have time to debate Christianity. I have time to declare Christianity. The Christian word, God's word. Amen? I got a lot of comments about my message against Calvinism this Sunday morning. About uh, predestination and foreknowledge, justification, calling, Praise God, they were all positive. I don't know where, I don't know why the Calvinists didn't jump me. Uh, they usually do on, on Facebook. But folks, I want to tell you something. I'm glad I'm a whosoever. And I'm glad as a son of a drunk, I didn't have to earn my way to heaven. And I'm so glad God come looking for me when I wasn't looking for Him. Because I was trying everything I could to find success in education, in money, in sports, everything reaching out to make me look better because I was so down on myself because living with a drunk all your life, you just get down. You just get embarrassed, you know. But praise God, he got saved, and he's my hero. It took a lot of courage after 63 years to walk an aisle and tell people you're a sinner, you need to be saved, or tell the Lord. He didn't tell the people. They knew it. And so, folks, there's meekness. Then uh, let me just say this. Uh, uh, there's a hunger and thirst. We're talking about being salty now. We're talking about being bright lights in a dark world. That'd make another good theme, amen. We might have another missions revival. 
Just back to back. Bright lights in a dark world. That's what we ought to be. A city set on a hilltop. Your testimony is important. Amen. To someone you're the best Christian they know. And I want to tell you this, friend, we ought to be a good one. And you'll never be a good one unless you have these Beatitudes. Unless you have the right attitude. You know, some people cross all the dots and dot all the I's and, and they know all about the King James. No, no, no reference here. And they know all, they know, and they're faithful. And they sit on the front row. And I mean, they just, you know, they, they, they just, you know, they're just faithful. Praise God. Every time the doors open, they're looking for some way to serve God. And then they got a bad attitude. And when they get a bad attitude, sooner or later, it's going to be out the back door. They're going to be among the missing. Well, I don't like the way the nurseries run. Well, won't you get in there and help then? Praise God. You know, I don't like this. I don't like that. Soon, you're going to be out the door. Because I'm going to tell you something, a critical, cynical spirit will get you. And folks, meekness doesn't look for faults in others. Meekness just knows that by the grace of God, you are what you are. Saved by the grace of God. Let me just say another one real quick. And we'll go over all these in individual sermons. But not only should we be hunger and thirst, that's attitude towards God. So you got an attitude towards yourself, poor in spirit. You got an attitude towards sin. Blessed are they that mourn. Then you got an attitude of meekness. That's an attitude towards others. Shouldn't be putting down others, or um, you receive. You you shouldn't defend yourself. You ought to be teachable. You ought to be humble. You ought to realize it's only by the grace of God you are what you are. Even though you might think you're better off than somebody else, you might be, but you're not better than somebody else. Amen. You're not better than somebody. I'll tell you what, I, we used to have a lady come to this church, God bless her, I thought she was going to drown every time it rained because her nose was up in the air. She got up in a business meeting and criticized publicly our gravel parking lot. Just my $300 so-and-sos, I don't know what they're called, high heels. As a matter of fact, you, they'd have to be really high heels for me to afford $300. My wife could beg all day long for $300 pumps or whatever they are. She wouldn't get them, I guarantee you. Too many missionaries need support. But I want to tell you something. I thought to myself, dear God, help this lady realize she's a sinner saved by grace. And we can't afford a, uh, we can't afford pavement right now. It's $23,000 just for a little square out there. I mean, one-third of what's out there now. And uh, she, she left. I hate it. I went to the house, tried to talk to them, tried to restore them. And folks, said, we, we need to hunger and thirst. That's our attitude towards God. He we need to receive help from God. That's how you receive righteousness. It was from God. Amen. How'd you get how'd you get your ticket to heaven? From God. How did you get forgiven? From God. And so, folks, after you get saved, you ought to get hungry. I'm not talking about physically. Some of us, we stay hungry. I eat so fast I forget I've, I've eat, eaten sometimes. I tell you what's bad is when you're having lunch and you ask your honey what's for supper. I mean, we ain't even finished with lunch yet, praise God. I'm asking what's for supper. You know, like so we live meal to meal. I mean, it's not meal to meal starving, it's meal to meal feasting. We ought to give up a couple of meals. Y'all try that and tell me how it worked out. But anyway, <laughs> we need to see, folks, we need to hunger and thirst not for food, but for God. Amen. He is the source of life. 
He's, if you've got anything in your life worth speaking of, it's the unsearchable riches of grace. Amen? Folks, so many people are unappreciative that they don't even read their Bible. They don't pray. And they never come to church. Folks, our attitude ought to be right towards God. If we're going to be salt and light, we need to love God. Amen? And our works will magnify God, not put us up on the hilltop, put Him on the hilltop. And then, here's another one. Merciful. Look at it. It says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit. Blessed are the they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You'll never be fulfilled without God. I'm going to tell you why. God put that emptiness in your heart on purpose. Man longs for God. Man longs for peace. Man longs for purpose. Don't you? Men long for significance. Ladies long for security. They want to be loved no matter what. And folks, that can only be found not in your mate. You'll drain him to death or her to death if you try to get all that significance, all that security from your mate. I'm warming up for the couples retreat. But I say it every time. The only way you can feel significant and feel secure, and feel safe, and feel loved, is to be merciful. And realize that God wants you to hunger and thirst, and He'll fill you. But it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now folks, what's that saying? You have a forgiving spirit. Let me just put it this way. You just love others. You love others more than yourself. You love others more than give them a piece of your mind, which you can't afford to lose, I promise you. You need to keep every bit of it of your mind. Amen? And I want to tell you something, friend. People that are critical and cynical will get bitter. You'll get bitter. And when you get bitter, there ain't nothing going to satisfy you until you get merciful. See, it says, look at it. It says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. What's that saying? If you don't give out mercy, you won't get mercy. If you have an all against a brother, a brother has all against you, and you will not forgive them because you hate them in your heart. Uh, you're hurt at them, and you want to hurt them. Hurt people, hurt people. Say amen right there. And folks, but the Bible says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. They shall attain mercy. See, folks, God has given us mercy. And we ought to pass it on. In other words, what makes you so attractive as a Christian is you're like Jesus. People are not looking for drones or uh, clones of some preacher. They're looking for Jesus. And so your all-out saltiness and light should be one thing to reflect God and to whet the appetite of a lost and dying world. Amen? God's put you in this earth to be salt and light, to glorify God. It's just that simple. But you'll never be salt and light unless you're poor in spirit, mournful, meek, hungry and thirst, and merciful. And then look at this. 
I'm just taking all these as collectively. It says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Wow. Who do you want to see tonight? Who did you come see? You come see your girlfriend, your boyfriend, you come see your husband, your wife. You see them enough, amen? You come to see what the church is like. You come to see other people. Or you come just to be seen. That's a dangerous thing to do. No, we ought to come to see Jesus. And that's real worship. And folks, the pure in heart's the only one that will do that. And I'm not talking about sinless, but I'm talking about holiness leads to happiness. And you keep your life clean. The most miserable people on this earth are people that have sinful minds. You fill your heart and mind with pornography, you'll be miserable. It'll be just ecstasy for a second. Just like an affair is. But folks, I want to tell you something. If you'll see God when you wake up through the Word and prayer, your day will be different. And your day will be blessed. But wait a minute, that's not the goal. Your day will bless God. Blessed are they. Blessed are they. The only way you are blessed is to be a blessing. God's blessed you to be a blessing. God's blessed you to be salt. God's blessed you to be light. Oh, what a great responsibility it is to be parents. Say amen right there. Grandparents, we can just spoil them rotten, say amen, send them home and say, thank God I can only take them about three and a half hours. Amen. No. We spoil them. Amen. Folks, I want to tell you something. We need to be pure in heart. Folks, pure in heart means you've got the right motive worship. You have the right motive for witnessing. You have the right motive for work. It's all Him. And it's all for Him. And it's all provided by Him through His Spirit. i got to close but i gotta, I got to cover these, these last two. It says, Blessed are they that are pure in heart for they shall see God. Then look at this. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. Now, how many has ever been called a child of the devil? You're never more like the devil than when you're unforgiving. You're never more like the devil than you're full of pride. What got Satan kicked out of heaven? Pride. Read it sometimes. Isaiah chapter 7. I will exalt myself. I will be God. I will. He said, no, you won't. You're out of here. Pride got him kicked out of heaven. Folks, I want to tell you something. Pride will get you kicked out of God's will. We need to be peacemakers. Christians should bring peace between men and God and those who are at odds with each other. He spread, you, you need to spread the gospel of peace. Say amen. There's nothing that heals a marriage like the gospel. There's nothing that heals relationships without the gospel. Let me ask you a question, you parents. How many of you Ever had children that fought against each other? I had twins on my birthday. Boy, that was a shock. More a shock for Connie than it was me. She had to go through all that labor. I even said something stupid like, is it that bad? 
that was a death sentence on that day. Amen. If she could have got up, she'd have shot me and, and said I died of chicken pox. But I'll tell you, I mean, I, is it that bad? Yes, it's that bad. You men can't take a kidney stone. They have babies. Amen. But I'll tell you something, friend. There is a travail, but praise God, that birth is worth it. But how many had children that didn't get along? Now, what did you do? Oh, go ahead and duke it out. Praise God. Get the boxing gloves down and just kill each other. That's a dumb parent if you did that. Oh, let's, well, let's just see who wins this battle. Maybe you took sides. That's really good. Amen. You take little Mary's side and Johnny gets a complex that you love her more than you do him. Now, I'll tell you what you are if you're a good parent. A peacemaker. Now, children, come on. Y'all, 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 y'all flesh and blood. Praise God. Y'all came out of the same womb. Praise God. You're destroying mama's peace and tranquility. And if you don't straighten up, I'm going to be at odds with you. Amen? And that's called discipline. Praise the Lord. But I want to tell you something, folks. You're peacemakers. And I want to tell you what a good salty Christian is. I want to tell you what a good light of a Christian is. Is one that comes into the assembly and brings peace among the brethren, which God inhabits. We bring peace to those that hurt us. We don't try to get even. We don't get bitter. And folks, the only way to do that is be controlled by the Spirit of God. Because in you dwelleth no good thing. Say amen. And in you, you want to get even. How many of you have ever been wanting to get even? You know, I don't get mad, I just get even. That's some dumb saying I came up with, I think. But anyway, listen... You are mad or you wouldn't want to get even. Come on. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. Well, guess what? You just compounded the hurt. You both hurt. And then the, then the preacher has to live with it and try to reconcile it. God help us to realize that salty, glowing, loving Christians are peacemakers and they're blessed. They're blessed. It's wonderful to bring peace to somebody's heart. Say amen. This morning my wife got devastating news about some of her family members. She was trying to eat breakfast and she didn't eat for about an hour. She was trembling, tears streaming down her face as she was talking on the phone. And I, and I, and I, you know, I didn't go over there and say, well, why don't you get over it? Or y'all would have been visiting me in the ICU tonight. No, not really. Why don't you you just grow up? No. I put my arm around her. I said, honey, isn't it great that last night God spoke to us about faith? God can help in this situation. I know it, but it breaks my heart. I want to help. They won't even tell me about it. It's bad when you hear heartbreaking news through the grapevine. When the person is broken and devastated by some atrocious things that sin will cause in your home. But they don't even share it with their blood, and spiritual flesh and blood, like Miss Connie. And I won't say too much because somebody might be listening, but I want to tell you something. I need to be a peacemaker. And I'm not talking about she, has, she ain't got no alt against any of her family. She's got a wonderful family. But Christians should bring peace. When somebody's hurt, 
bring peace. When somebody feels broken and left out and down and out, what are you going to do, kick them and find some more fault? No, you bring peace. You're peace speakers. I know the speech. Peace speaker. Remember that old choir song we used to sing in, right after the Civil War? I know the peacemaker. And folks, I want to tell you something. That peacemaker lives in you. And if you're full of the Spirit of God, there's one goal in your life. And that's to let people know that only Christ can bring peace. Only His Word can bring, bring peace. And this world will devastate you. This world will disappoint you. And I'll just say this, sin will disgust you. That people could be that low to hurt other people. But what are we going to do? Join them? What are we going to do? Criticize them? What are we going to do? Kick them while they're down? We're the only army that shoots the wounded when they're down. What we need to do is rescue them. And I've got the peace right here. I've got good news. Christ died for you. Christ arose for you. Christ ascended for you. And He's not just sitting there playing a harp or letting somebody play a harp to Him. He's ever living to make intercession for you. He's hurting with you. He's hurting for you. He's praying for you. And so I believe one of the greatest ways to instill these blessed character traits, these uh, attitudes, the beatitudes is spend much time in prayer for those that hurt you. Spend much time in prayer for those that are lost. And pray much for yourself that you won't get cold, indifferent, and callous and lose your saltiness and be good for nothing but the roadside to kill weeds. That's what they did with savorless salt in the Bible days. They threw it on the road and they put it down there so nothing would grow. And folks, I want to be more than the leftover salt in the ice cream maker thrown on the weed. I want to be a blessing. Don't you? I thought this morning as I was praying, I thought this last night as I was leaving that funeral home, that dear man that said good night to his dear wife of 45 years, I sure hope I can be a blessing. I wonder if I'd have walked in that funeral home and said, I told you you should have done this and this and this. You wouldn't have caught that stuff. Well, that's not my place. My place is said, hey, our whole church has been praying for you. Hey, neighbor, our whole neighborhood has been praying for you. We love you. I can't imagine how you feel. I can't imagine the hurt. I can't imagine the loneliness going back to that brand new house that everybody admires in our neighborhood. But I know one thing. God's going to go home with you. And we just want to let you know that we want to pray for you. Just be a blessing. It only takes about 10 minutes to be a blessing. It only takes a few few minutes and you ought to go knock on somebody's door and say, I know the peace speaker. I know the one that can make you pure in heart. I know the one that can give you mercy. I know the one that can satisfy every longing in your soul. 
I know Him. And I believe with all my heart, by the grace of God, you can know Him. Because Jesus loves you as much as He loves me.